Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guy liner. All with love for the show and its creators. I'm Bero. And I'm Lena. And today we're covering Lucifer, season two, episode four, Lady Parts. And I'm gonna put something earlier in than I usually do, because this time the German title is so much better. Because the German title is Girls' Night. And I think they say Girls' Night about 25 fucking times in this episode. So, in my opinion, better title by far. For my summary, this is the one where nobody is dealing with anything they are supposed to be dealing with. Which gives us a great Girls' Night Out, a decent Guys' Night Out, some very irrelevant murder and the harshest cliffhanger of the show so far. Whoop whoop! Nicely done. Kinda proud of that one. For the obsession of the week, I have one word written down and that is DISTRACTION! I got distraction is better than dealing. I was kind of going between distraction and denial, but then I realized that they are not in denial about distracting themselves from their problems at all. They know farewell what they're doing and they're doing it on purpose. And Lucifer nearly word for word says, instead of dealing, distract yourself. Distract yourself. I'm not disagreeing with the distraction is better than dealing. Sometimes you need to distract yourself for a while until you are recharged, fit enough, emotionally ready to deal with whatever you have to deal with. Of course, you cannot distract yourself forever. At some point you have to deal, but sometimes you need to take the time off from whatever it is that you usually are obsessing about. But is it healthy? In certain measures, yes. Okay. Because no distraction would mean permanent obsession. And that's also not healthy. But as usually, he takes it overboard. Before we go into the previously on, I have some facts and fun for you. First fact, we have a return writer. Sherry Elwood wrote this episode and she wrote episode 5 in season 1. That's the Sweet Kicks one with the fashion show and a dead pick. And she wrote episode 11, Saint Lucifer, which is when the rich dude with the charity died and turned out he, he was gay. You didn't like the first one, you liked the second one, right? Yes, but this one much better than both of them. And we will get a few more episodes written by Sherry Elwood. So I hope this is a trend that keeps continuing. We're also now four out of four with Lucifer saying the episode name. And I have one, in my opinion, very obscure IMDb fact. I'm just gonna read it because I'm not gonna try to explain it. Further connections to Greek mythology and to Neil Gaiman's work. Charlotte wears an apron and matching oven gloves decorated with poppies. In Greek myth, poppies have symbolic connection to death and to Morpheus, the god of sleep. Morpheus is one of the names of Dream slash Sandman and Gaiman Sandman comics from which the Lucifer comics are a spin-off. I don't think this was deliberate, so I'm very confused. That is very reaching. Yes, but I found it so obscure I wanted to include it. It's really lovely to realize that poppies are connected to Morpheus this way. And now you know. (laughs) Now I know. Thank you for educating me. And everyone who listens to us. Okay, well, let's just move on to previously on Lucifer. Oh, your British is getting better. Thank you. Practice in front of a mirror. A mirror doesn't listen. But I look damn good saying it. (laughs) Please continue. Lucy made a deal with Dad to bring Mum back to hell. Ames is a plucked chicken. Mace is finding her place in the world with Linda's help. Lucy has decided that Mum must live Charlotte's life. 
Chloe offered an olive branch to Dan and Dan has asked for a divorce. Thank you for including the black chicken. I have heard that phrase so many times in the last two weeks that I hate it at this stage. But I mean, anything for you, I guess. What can I say except you're welcome? It's that Moana gif here. Lina podcast is a audio experience. Everyone knows the Moana gif I'm referring to. Okay, everybody stop this podcast and go watch the Moana if you haven't seen it because it's a great film. Oh yeah, duh. What of best Alan Tudyk's roles? Oh, for sure. Coming up first, we got scene one and I called that scene, damn it, Leroy, obviously, right? Obviously. There is a song that plays, which is called Jungle Youth by Young the Giant. Which is okay by... Which is pretty good, yeah. Naming standards. This scene for me was mostly irrelevant, but what I really liked about it, we always start the episode and most of the new scenes with those overhead camera shots over city areas or whatever. And that they had this as the drone shot and then the drone is crashing down. Nice. Didn't see that coming. Was a nice mix up from the usual standard point of view. I only had one note for this. Literally the only sentence that is said in the first scene is Damn it, Leroy. And it's said in three different ways. It's said thrice. I love that word, by the way. I am using it at all times. I would not have noticed. But every single time it's said in a different context. And write a whole scene like that is just so good. Writing this episode definitely on the yes, please, more of this side. Yeah, so that was my only note for the scene. And we can move on to the Linda's office. Linda getting frustrated. She's over it. She's seriously over him. Lucifer is behaving like a puppy in this scene. No, like an obnoxious child. Same thing. Puppies are not as bad as obnoxious children. Shame on you. They are exactly the same. They are running around, unfocused, trying to get attention. Have we just found our poll for this episode? I think I'm gonna lose the... No! You're saying that puppies are better than children. And I'm saying that it's, like, virtually the same, so... I might actually win this one. No. Anyhow, he reminded me of Puppy in this session. Just running around, dividing the attention, doing bad things, but pretending that it's nothing bad and just behaving like everything is super innocent. But also... The fact that he has a phone now is is great. I was wondering, it's been a while since we've seen him in therapy, right? I don't think we've seen him in therapy last week, no. Lucy literally says, the more I distract, the less I worry, which for me implies he is in fact worried. I agree with that, yeah. Also, while I said it's been a while since we had therapy, in my opinion, this doesn't really count as therapy because Lucy is so quickly in and out here and he's so deliberately takes away from it what he wants to take away from it. That it's it's very annoying and I get that Linda is very exasperated with him. And I really feel she needs to have a serious talk with him how to benefit more from therapy because how he's doing it now, not really helping. Well, she has touched on that a little bit last episode. I think she needs to be sterner with him. Yeah, this all scene kind of shows us the fact that Lucifer is now consciously deciding that he's going to destruct himself 
Also, did Lucifer really not have a phone before? I don't think so. Because I feel like I commented on... I don't remember which episode it was when Chloe strands him in the middle of nowhere. I think actually it was Sweet Kicks. Oh yeah, uh, she drives away and he says, he says, I don't even have a phone or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, that's not possible, blah, 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 blah. So apparently he really didn't have a phone which i found surprising but thank you writers for giving me confirmation and if it was indeed the sweet cakes episode and it's the same writer who now closed a question and it makes me quite happy yeah yeah that's actually a really good point i completely forgot about that coming up next i called the scene chloe being grumpy and i'm gonna start with my only note and question moving out of your mom's place Why? I think that she feels like it's time for her to be independent. I actually really appreciated the way they gave us all this information because it's not we learn it from a situation or we learn it from a conversation. We just get it from Lucifer telling her, which is really nice. My issue with this is later on during the girls' night, one of her troubles is homelessness, which for me implies she has to move out of her mom's place. And that is what I don't understand because Penelope Decker did not strike me as the type of person to kick her daughter and granddaughter out of her house. I think this is a lot about Chloe's independence. I feel like her moving into Penelope's place was always supposed to be temporarily. Yes, but if she can't afford another place, she would not move out of her mom's place and subject Trixie to homelessness. I can't imagine that. Hence my confusion. Yeah, I don't think that the homelessness is something that is a real thing for her. I think it's more of a, I don't want to live here anymore because this was supposed to be just for a little bit before me and Dan figure out our issues and then we can go back together. Sounded serious in the later on drunken tribal girl confession. I didn't read it that way at all. But that's all I have for this one. As I mentioned, I like the tool of the writing tool, the way they gave us the the whole information about what's happening with Chloe. Exposition done well. Yes. Definitely. There is a few new information, including the fact that not only she's getting divorced, she's looking for a place. And I personally read it as she doesn't want to be dependent on her mom anymore. And that is her choice that she is moving out. But we can read it in a different ways. What I really like is that Lucifer, it's always easier to call out other people on different bullshits. <laughs> yes. So he calls out <laughs> Chloe on her bullshit about her social life. And we've talked about this so much. Chloe does not have any friends. She does not have anybody who she could call at any given time just to have a chat. Everybody in her life who is she interacting with directly is a convenient type of a person. It's either work-related or family-related. Nothing else. This is an issue that we touched upon before and I'm glad that the show is self-aware enough to be able to deal with that. And I actually like their solution later on. It just reconfirms the character of Chloe and there is a point in this episode when I want to punch her but I don't think it's necessarily just her fault that it turns out the way it turns out. Anywho, we'll see when we get there if it's the one I think it is and if I agree with you. Yeah, but we can close up this scene with saying that Chloe, as per usual, is being a super great detective, looking up the 
Uber driver and bringing him into the precinct for interrogation. I called the next scene Twitchy Driver and I was mostly annoyed with this scene because she used my phone to call someone else is what the dude should have led with. That's the only relevant information for himself as well. Anything else with I'm on new medication, sorry I need the money, blah blah blah, whatever. Uh, she jumped out of my moving car. All of that is not as relevant to him protecting himself than hey, she talked to someone else. It sounded serious. I don't think he realized any of that, especially if he, if he was on a medication or anything like that. Still, he was super sleazy there. You thought he was sleazy? Yeah. I registered him under Twitchy. I would not get in a car with him voluntarily. <laughs> not judging you on that. Enough bad cap experience on my part, so. But otherwise, this scene only gave us a new lead, but nothing else, so. Yeah, it, it's pure expositional, so. Now we get a song. The song is named Coyotes by Wild Bell. And this is great because coyotes are scavengers, right? So Mace coming back to scavenge on uh, Charlotte is mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> I didn't see it that way. You're right. I was about to complain, but no, I'm with you. <laughs> I call this simply update on mom because it's the only scene this episode with her. She obviously still has no idea how to cook. Charlotte, these are not recyclables. She no care. I know, but come on. She probably don't know and she definitely no care. But I love her description of children. Factories of filth, of mire. Ah. Also, apparently, Charlotte, just like Lucy, despises children. Well, that makes sense because she despised the whole humanity. But she seems to have special despisal for children. <laughs> So now I kind of do wonder where Amenadiel comes down on the how do you feel regarding children? Because if Lucy picked up his dislike of children from his mom, then probably Amenadiel should have picked up some of that as well. Because I still have in my questions, why does Lucifer despise children? And I still haven't gotten an answer. Maybe this is the first hint of me getting an answer for that. And also remember last episode when we were talking about us not really trusting mom. Mom being mean to Mace just makes me like her less and trust her less. You be a bitch to Mace, you be a bitch in my opinion. Easy as that. Have you noticed Mace's face when she gets compared to child? It's perfect. But I do actually have a question which is completely relevant to everything that happens in this episode, obviously. Where did Mace keep her flask? In her hand. She wasn't holding it when she was waiting outside of the house. And then she suddenly had it. I'm pretty sure she had it when she... Because she was sitting on something. I feel like she hasn't had anything in her hands when she was walking with Charlotte. But maybe I just didn't notice. That is the question that I want to know. Is it a magic flask and does that mean that is it a hell flask? Would that mean that she would make her own hell alcohol that she would put into her magic hell flask? No. You're ruining my life. You're literally the worst. I'm gonna go back into the scene and I'm gonna track the position of the flask. Please do, because I am curious. Because also if it's like, it's called a goof, there in one scene and not there in the next, then we could again discuss if we want to create an IMDb account to contribute our amazing deep insights and findings. Nope. Because there was one goof for this episode, which I didn't find interesting enough. 
but it wasn't the flask. If something that was there is not there anymore, or like if a mark vanishes or moves. And for example, in Robin Hood's Men in Tights, they have the mole on Prince John's face move constantly. I know, it's so good. Anywho, that's pretty much me. So we can move on to uh, the lab to bust the move. Which we now see a new entrance to that we haven't seen before for the lab. You still see most of the precinct in the back, but I feel like the space of the precinct is slowly but steadily growing. So I'm there for it because I know I've been complaining in the past that the forensic lab was in the middle of the precinct. Now it doesn't feel as much in the middle as before. I really like the way they're starting to play more and more with the space they have. Yes, because apparently also they seem to have more money to play with it. So it's giving us more sets and everything. So I like it. Please give me more of this. I really enjoy in this scene the interaction between Lucifer and Ella continues to be just as lighthearted but still feeling very natural. So I like that they keep this going and elaborate on it a bit, still without leaning in any shape or way into the very explicit made Christianity of Ella. It is a known fact, but I remember being worried that it would be too blatantly handled and so far they are doing a great job with it and i like it yes i have a question actually this is a side question again i have a lot of side questions this episode you have a lot of questions this time so lucifer tells ella to come over to lux sometimes was it him hitting on her or was it him let's be butts it was him distracting from everything he doesn't want to focus on anything and it's just one of the spirals moments telling her to come over to Lux it just felt like oh let's be friends or oh you can come and see my penthouse if you know what I mean no no okay I was just wondering at least I didn't read it that way Ella for me has a very childlike naivete about her so she doesn't really register for me as uh, would be interesting for Lucifer so I had not even considered that but now in retrospect I am not as sure Thank you for putting that picture in my brain. What can I say except you're welcome. I'm gonna move us along before I say something bad. (laughs) Scene seven I called lead after lead after lead because this scene to me really felt a lot like, oh, we're following this lead and she's already talking about this, but also we have the girlfriend or wife with, oh, you're cheating on me. And it's like very convoluted there was a lot of footwork included in this episode. Them going from place to place. Uh, we also get in this scene our title card. Kind of late. It's nearly 10 minutes in. Yeah, it's been a while since it was this late. I know that it used to be somewhere between... It used... Like, it was average in f- season one. It was average between seven, eight minutes, right? So late-ish, but not too late. This is nearly 10 minutes in, which is by far the latest title card we've had. I was very much over the militant vegans and he's a hipster chef and everything. I am honestly really glad that we don't go back to him at all. Because if we were, I do have a bunch of notes on him that I just don't feel like I want to get into. If we were to come back to him and if he was important to the story, I would probably get into them. But he is just such a piece of shit, this character. The only good thing about this scene is Lucifer facetiming Mace. And Chloe, even though she's so distracted with her own shit, she is observant enough to notice that Lucy is going through his shit. Because as you said earlier, it is much easier to call someone else on their bullshit than it is dealing with your own. 
So it is nice that Chloe is being observant and trying to be a good friend. But it is very fitting for the obsession of the week that Lucifer has zero interest in dealing and instead is sicking Mace onto Chloe. I love that the wager is for the convertible and that he has to specify you cannot tie her down and pour alcohol down her throat. Not as easy. <laughs> yeah, the whole interaction they had this scene within a scene, if you may, is just so good because I love that our characters are so well established in episode 16, technically, that we can do a small conversation like this and we are not even skipping a beat. We're not blinking an eye. It makes perfect sense. Every single thing that happens there is, one, absolutely hilarious, two, completely true to all the characters involved, and three spot on for the story. I am so happy with this. And now, weirdly enough, I say he is a fucking child in this episode, so maybe you were onto something. I always feel that the interactions between our established characters give us so much more, and the more time we spend on side characters, like the pseudo-hipster chef, the more I feel cheated out of quality time with my characters and genuine story. There is no Father Frank. If we get a Father Frank, I have no complaints, it's a side character, but so far there has been no other Father Frank. And of course, we get our next lead with Naomi and the girls night out. So we finally leave the fucking hipster chef with his blood apron behind and never look back. Yay! Just like we never look back to the twitchy driver. And this is, I think, my only complaint with this episode, that literally no one is relevant except the one girl. Sometimes they do a better job in making the other characters feel relevant. But hey, I always find something to complain about. True. But we get to jump back to Linda's office for just a moment. I love this scene so much. This scene is brilliant. I have a little to say about this scene. Yes, please. I feel like Linda hasn't gotten over the fact that Ames lied to her yet. She is trying to forgive him, but she is still very snippy with him. She is still very defensive. But she's also still offering friendship and being genuine. Exactly. She is still the better person, which is not that difficult when you compare yourself to Ames, but... <laughs> It's a really interesting look into a human psyche. She's a genuine good person. She knows that she needs to work through this. And even though she still hasn't, she's already on the better path. The satisfaction in her face when she thinks that the issue that Ames is going through is regarding his performance is mm. so fucking good she is so happy like she's trying to hide it and how personal he's taking oh my god his face i am here for it his face at the end it's just ah the first time he makes this face is when she mentions fun he already doesn't look happy because amenity and fun are kind of contrary and then his face gets so much worse once he realizes what she understood i was so there for this scene i called it physical male problems and i fucking love it and i really hope that at some point linda refers to amenadiel's performance issues towards lucy oh my god imagine that would be fucking hilarious seriously acting wise nicely done uh db woodside and linda still is and always will be my fucking queen best woman 
ever. Coming up next, we got the second murder victim. And I only have one question not relating to the murder. Lucy detests cats? I got very upset about this, because how fucking dare you, Lucifer? Because I do wonder. I don't know if you tend to do this, but oftentimes people compare other people if their behavior is rather feline or canine. Yes, I'm a cat. And Lucifer has always struck me as a very uh, feline character. The same for Maze. But for example, Amenadiel for me would be a very canine character. The same for Dan. And so on, so on. So I found it very surprising that Lucifer, who for me is a 120% feline character, detests cats. And now I wonder if there's any mythology base that makes sense for this, because I didn't really find anything. I'm not aware of any negative connotation for cats in Judeo-Christian lore. I know, of course, the black cat bad omen thing, but that is only with black cats, not with cats in general. I know that in ancient Egypt, cats were sacred. Also, cats are quite high on the level of more like a towards Satanist types of animals. Depends. Like cats are often witch familiars, but so would be crows and owls and frogs and yada yada. So I get his dislike for goats because of the whole goat incident that we don't know still. Exactly. It's still in the list of questions. But I'm actually gonna put this next to the why does he detest children and why does he detest cats? I want an explanation for both. Fair enough. I think very often a comment like this coming from Lucifer is more meant as a joke than anything else. That it Often, yes. This time I don't think so. Because he goes into the whole shitting in a box inside and yada yada, so... But he's talking about the house cats. House cats are boring. It depends on what type of house cat you have. So We don't need to get more into detail for that, but I'm gonna put this next to my why does he detest children and simply put slash cats so it's just one more word but i'm keeping track of it <laughs> but that's all i have for that scene because i totally did not uh see what's her face name i don't remember i think i tried to write it down somewhere but the woman who turns in the end out to be the killer the character was so blonde to me i didn't even register her as a potential killer i did i've seen this before though so as I was going through this episode, I knew it wasn't the Uber driver. I was convinced it was the boyfriend. Then this person shows up and I'm convinced it's the landlady. So at this moment, I was just super confused because I knew it was somebody bad. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't the Uber driver. That was as far as I remembered the, let's call it a side plot, because that's not really a main plot of this episode. The girl's night out gun wrong felt very ominous. The whole situation, the way they presented it at the end. But that's pretty much... Like, this scene didn't really give us much. I don't remember even the name of the second victim, so... So now we're gonna move on to Lux. And at this point, I was like, if anyone says girl's night one more time... They do! I know! A few things for this first scene. For starters... This whole section starts this kind of a back and forth between Lux and the Tiki Bar. And that means that we're going to have a lot of background music. So I'm not going to say the names of the ones that I don't feel that the names are relevant. I'm going to mention just a few of the songs. But all the songs are still on the Spotify playlist ready for you to listen to. To kick off this whole music extravaganza, we have a song by... <laughs> Baby Alpaca, and 
The name of the song is Time for Flight. And as this plays, Chloe runs into Lux with more fucking work. And at this point, I just went all cups. Chloe, just stop working for a fucking second. And then more all cups saying, I love Ella because Ella shows up. And what I didn't realize when she said it, but it came back to me like seconds later. She says, I need to dehydrate and it means I need to pee. The revelation of this. This is so good. I thought I gotta dehydrate means I need alcohol. That's what I thought at the beginning. But then she comes back and it doesn't make sense. She needs to dehydrate. Yeah, because alcohol dehydrates you. It's the opposite of drinking water. That was my first explanation when she said it. But then she comes back and she doesn't have any drink. And she said something like, oh, I need to get a drink or whatever. They have the drinks over there. Fuck, I think you're right. Yeah, and it's just such a good way to say I need to pee is I need to dehydrate. It's so... I'm gonna keep using it for drinking alcohol. It works. It works on both levels. I don't know which one of us is right, but one of them is... And either way, it's super good. Yes, absolutely. But I think you're actually right and I read it wrong. Did you notice it's the second time Chloe has cock-blocked Lucy from a threesome? True. I didn't realize that. Because the earlier one was the, with the Britneys. Good times. Also, what I found interesting, usually it's just Lucifer who follows the obsession of the week. And in this episode, Chloe is nearly as bad. I find that interesting and I wonder if maybe in the future we might get an episode where someone non-Lucifer is gonna be our main contributor for the Obsession of the Week. And now we get to the actual girls' night. Yes! I have to say, even I admit that Chloe is extremely annoying in this scene. And by extremely, I mean I just want to take a chair and fucking punch her in the face with the chair. I don't even have any notes on Chloe for the scene. I pretty much just ignored her. What I found interesting, Maze doesn't seem to be a fan of Ella for some reason. She seemed very exasperated with her. I think that might be because Ella is such a positive, happy, always happy type of a person. I wonder how that's gonna progress, but in that scene, she wasn't a fan. I love the fact that Linda was a phone sex operator. Oh, yes. All these little thingies. I'm very confused that Ella used to steal cars, because if she ever got busted for that, how the fuck is she working for the police? Well, did she get busted for it, though? But that's what I'm wondering. See, this would kind of go with what I was talking about in the first episode of the season. Usually, if it's a good writing, they would use a positive, sunny personality like Ella, childlike even, and give her a very dark or very rough backstory to explain why she is the way she is, but she is not stupid or naive. So that would actually go with that thought that I had a few weeks ago. I want to know more. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> also, Ella being herself and not reading the room at all. I don't know if she can't do it or if she doesn't want to. And Linda being able to leave her own actual therapist role and administering liquid therapy to Chloe I was very appreciative of that because Linda literally says, and this is where the subtitles cut off for some reason in the Amazon version, this is really gonna help you feel anything. Which is not what you expect from a therapist to say about alcohol, but I get where she's coming from because sometimes you need the liquid courage to like actually open up and talk. So I really like this scene, but not a fan of Chloe in it. 
for agreement there. To be fair, she starts sharing at the end of the scene and everything just turns so fucking dark so fucking quickly. It's like everyone is having fun and then she's coming with the actual existential crisis. Like homelessness is serious. Then we switch over to what I called Guys Night. Lucy, don't you go shaming cosmopolitans. Cosmopolitans are amazing drinks. They are so good. And Lucy hates on cosmopolitans in general and I'm not there for it. I'm also not there for Ames not sharing properly. This was a perfect opportunity for him to actually say that he has erectile dysfunction in his wings. But he didn't. Well, he kept playing with his feathers, so, you know. Oh, see what he did there. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, that would have been a perfect opportunity, to be fair. And he didn't. So I'm like, dude, just get over yourself and start sharing, because otherwise it's definitely not gonna get better. My problem with Aminadil at this scene is that, yes, if he would have shared, it would have been much easier to get to the bottom of it. But my biggest issue with him is that he blames everything on Lucifer and the fact that he didn't bring mum back to hell. And that is so hypocritical from Aminadil because Ames is the one who should have helped him do that. Ames is the one who was all for keeping mum on Earth just last episode. He was the one telling Lucifer that dad often overreacts. And now he is blaming it on Lucifer just because he can't get it up anymore? Yeah, but it's very in character for Ames. It's very in character and it's super hypocritical and I got very upset with him this scene. I got more upset with him at the very end. See, I didn't get upset with Ames about that. I got upset about the situation because he is actually right, I think. We're going to talk about this at the very end, but the way he does it. We get a really, really short moment when the ladies are doing karaoke. I have the exact same lantern lights that are in focus when we cut over to that scene. Those lanterns used to hang on my bicycle. Ah, the song is called Heartbreaker. But Pat Benatar, and when I saw the name, it didn't ring a bell, but I felt like I know the song, so I looked it up. And yes, it's a well-known song. It's one of those songs where you don't really know who is singing it, but it's just such a good song. So I did include that one on the playlist, and I wanted to give it a mention right now, because that's one of the really, really, really good ones. Also, it's one of the classic karaoke songs. So drug karaoke best thing ever. And they're bonding. I love Mace when the whole fighting starts and she goes like, I wish I had my knives. Oh no, that's before the fighting starts. That's right before the fighting. And then the girlfriend comes up to uh, be a bitch to Chloe. She says it when they have the bonding moment. When they want to do the blood pack. Yeah, and Chloe says, oh, next time. Yeah, and then the Chloe talks to the dude and then the girlfriend shows up and then it's shortly after each other. Like the scene is not even two minutes long. We got the I wish I had my knives, which is just, it's so cute. It's so mace. And then the bitchy girlfriend shows up and calls Chloe a skank. And Mace steps in and says, no one calls my, calls my skank a skank. And it's just like, I know exactly what she means. People who like each other, calling each other names, Totally fine. Bitch, I have no idea who the fuck you are. You don't get to call me anything. So fully there for it. I love the escalation of the fight. Did you see how Ella was part of the fight? Because Linda is cowering beneath the bar. Like she's she's not an active part of it. Mace, of course, is kicking ass and taking names. 
and Chloe is trying to be a cop and then gets tackled down. But what did Ella do? Ella actually fights. Ella is type of a, like a cat fighter. She's, if I got her correctly, she's the type who's gonna just grab some other woman's hair and just drag her down. She's scrappy little thing. Okay, because I didn't see her anymore. Yeah, before the fight starts, I get very sad for a little moment because they have this all bonding moment and Mace goes like, oh, I wish I had, I had my knives and they talk about the Black Pact and everything. And then they take a shot and Mace takes a picture of Chloe and it just feels like, oh, I forgot that she's not there to be her friend. Uh, I didn't forget. That's why I, I didn't get involved emotionally in that moment. It's not like that I forgot, but it felt like she's having such a good time that she might just let that one slide. She was having a good time, but she was also on a mission. I was just a bit sad that there was this moment of Mace just like, oh yeah, I'm actually here to do something. Mace is not human enough to be that human, <laughs> if, you, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I absolutely agree with you. It just made me a bit sad. And she immediately comes back to be a good girlfriend by screaming at Chloe to let the guy go and he's not the good guy. And have you, have she seen him and stuff like that? It was so good. The whole interaction of the woman hive was so good. And then we get into the fight, which is a bunch of me screaming at myself in my notes. It's just everything. It's so good. And Linda getting that whole, oh, we probably shouldn't be doing this because this bitch doesn't deserve any, you know, like just going from like, I'm this really nice therapist to, oh, fuck no, bitch, you're dead. She laid down the law. And then this whole scene finishes and I started listening to the music again and what plays behind this is a song by LM called That Thing You Do. And it finishes up with all four of them surrounding the guy to question him. And obviously, again, as per usual, choreography of the fight is brilliant and the way it's shot and... ah, Everything is great about this scene. I fucking love it. I was surprised that Chloe really went apparently straight to work from the tiki bar yeah the timings on these are weird but i mean this all happens during the entire night they make a point in the over city shots that we see how dark or bright the sky is i know i know it happens but like it's just i have a later note and like literally nobody sleeps in this episode i found it impressive because chloe did get quite a bit drunk and Having been there myself. Yes, you can go back to work. Yes, coffee does help. But if you're not used to certain amounts of alcohol, then you're not going back to work. And Chloe doesn't strike me as someone who's used to drinking. So I was very impressed by her stubbornness to be able to work. That would be very much like her though. To be fair, I don't think that she necessarily goes out drinking, but I'm not against the idea of her sitting at home and drinking by herself. But not in the amount that she had that night. She, she's not in training. Probably not <laughs> in the amount, yes. She's also really mean because she teams up Dan with Lucifer. And sorry, it's just mean. It's very good. But also, yes, Dan, you look like a fucking cop. That's what I called the scene. Absolutely 100% agreement. Yes, Dan, you do look like a cop. To be fair, I hate the way 
television describes being hungover because it very rarely shows how it actually looks like. Usually they feel rough at the beginning of the day and then by in the next half an hour there's suddenly like nothing. But that's not how it works, children. If you, any of you out there don't drink, this is not how being hungover works. It comes in waves. Depending on how drunk you got, you can suddenly sleep 16 and a half hours the next day and still not really be a happy camper. Not that this happened to me yesterday or something. Oh, no, not at all. I would never. Can't imagine you drunk. <laughs> but for me personally, I can't drink coffee when I'm hungover. It just makes me feel sick. But I know that's me. It depends on you. It depends how old are you, obviously, because that's un unfortunately a factor. What type of alcohol did you drink? Did you have a lot of juice or acid stuff? Did you smoke? It's very important if you usually don't smoke, but you smoke when you're drunk, your hangover is going to be so much worse than if you're a non-smoker. So not smoking when drinking actually makes it easier the next day. Also, don't mix alcohol, if at all possible. Stick to one alcohol. If you want to drink cocktails, then pick one base. And stick to it. If you want to drink beer, do not start mixing different types of beers. That's also not good. And hydrate. The more you hydrate, the less bad the next day gets. And even if it's just when you go home, right before you go to bed, and you pour liter or at least half a liter of water into your body. Because if you have to throw up, it's nicer to throw up with water than without. And if you don't throw up, your body is going to be very thankful that you gave him water. And this ends the PSA for how to deal with hangovers. <laughs> yeah, it's just I, I don't like the way they, they depict hangovers on television because it's never realistic. They all deal much too easy with it, yeah. And with Dan looking like a cup, <laughs> we're moving over to the sex party. Which I just called more guys night because now we have more guys and we have more of the guys night so haha -ha. but we do get a song for this one called knocking on the wrong door which given the fact that we again get another dead end technically and we do not find the right person it's very telling by x-ray dog like the title didn't pay attention to it i have a question yeah my first startup was a sex club, little place called Eden. Is he fucking referring to the Eden? The Garden Eden? And if so, what about Eden made it a sex club? There were two people. Walking around naked? Just because you're naked doesn't make it a sex club. Have you ever been to a free body culture beach in Germany? I think that either it was him making a bad reference to the Bible or... He actually had a club when he first started that he named Eden when he first came to LA. Because as far as I know, the devil didn't fuck Eve or Adam. So there were only two people having sex and that's not much of a sex club. As I said, I would not be surprised that Lucifer actually had a club before Lux and he would name it Eden. I'm totally there with you because it would be more surprising if this was the first time he actually hung around Earth. I found it interesting that Amenadiel is way far more gone on his way to getting drunk. And I do wonder, does he not have the same threshold as Lucifer and Mace? We talked about this last time. It's consistent, which is nice. I cannot disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I really tried. Did you pay attention to the eyeliner in this scene? I did not. There's a lot of it. <laughs> because it's night, it's a party. I was taken by Grumpy Ames. I actually like Grumpy Amenadiel more than I like any other Amenadiel at the beginning of this scene when Dan shows up. And yes, Dan, you look like a cup. You're such a fucking cup. My final note for this scene is Amenadiel is drinking a crantini, which I would assume is like an apple teeny but with cranberry, so not that different to a cosmopolitan. I'd say so. I didn't look it up, but that sounds correct. You have, you have more ideas about bars and cocktails than I do, so... That sounds like something that could be real. <laughs> My last note about the scene is douchecam. Lucifer realizing that he can take a video and calling it a douchecam. I forgot that. How did you not write it down? I think I was busy with the crantini. Oh, yeah, fair enough. I didn't write down the crantini then. Fuck yeah, the douchecam. Mm -hmm. Douchecam is very good. Which also just reconfirms he definitely didn't have a phone before because otherwise he would have thought of this earlier. We're going back to the precinct with more leads. And I love the beginning of the scene that they just flip around Dan and Chloe. So Dan is the one getting the coffee and Chloe is the one giving, giving him sass. It just again shows how brilliantly it's written and, sh and made. I love this show sometimes so much. I just noted that they drink way too much coffee and that no one sleeps. Also, this is the scene where Chloe finds out that Lucy and Mace had a bet going on. Oh yeah, that explains my note. She's so hurt by it and Lucy doesn't understand a thing. Like he's utterly oblivious to it. Get some empathy, dude. That actually hurt me way more than the scene in the tiki bar because I feel like Mace was more aware of what she was doing than Lucifer is even now. I mean, I kind of understand when Lucifer is coming from in this moment because he feels like, oh, I did her a favor. I mean, yes, I see where he's coming from. I'm not saying that he's right. Like, this is not okay. And especially the way he presents it to her. Because Chloe did... She had a great time and she hasn't had a great time like this with anybody in a long time. You can tell that by the behavior and by the way she's hurt. And this is not okay. You cannot treat people this way it's just no she storms off and leaves lucy but he apparently catches up because he's with her in the next scene so she doesn't leave him in the sand i feel like she is more pissed with mace than with lucifer because it feels more personal with mace because you know they they bonded she may have a longer relationship with lucifer but it never gotten into they didn't get drunk together yet when you get shit-faced with somebody, you create a bond. And you don't want to fuck up that bond. Maybe I'm taking it way too personally. There is a very good possibility of that. But I just... Ah. We follow up on our next lead with Yuri. So if you have anything of substance, please tell me. My only note on the scene is... You. Gross. <laughs> so... I'm with you. It's yet another expositional scene in this episode where it doesn't really matter who we're meeting. We're just learning an information in order to solve this case. And then we get to close the case. Yay, finally. With the idiot woman 
And she says, I thought it's an organic kind of roofie. That's very Los Angeles, isn't it, though? It's just very stupid. Just, just because you think it's organic doesn't mean it's safe. Belladonna is organic. And you shouldn't fucking eat it. And as much as I didn't care about the idiot woman, I very much cared about Chloe working through her issues at the very end when she keeps pummeling the woman. This scene is so good on so many levels, except on the actual plotline level regarding the murder. Because that's just forgettable. We don't need that shit. The best parts of this scene are the fact that Lucifer discovers Facebook. <laughs> The way that that they actually accept the fact that if somebody is going to be holding a fucking sharp knife to somebody's neck, they will be bleeding. But that was so badly done, though. I mean, at least it was done. The fact that Chloe works through some of her issues because clearly she is upset even though she refuses to deal with it. And also, we get to see her possibly future apartment, which... If you ask me, I fucking love that layout. Oh, the, the place looked great, definitely. I would live there in a fucking heartbeat, but who am I to talk? I live in a house that is falling apart as I speak. We're coming up to the missing half hour, I called our scene 19. Chloe is back at work. She doesn't even have the tiniest nick or like a plaster or something on her throat. So obviously the box knife didn't hurt her, for reals. I totally can understand where Mace is coming from. She has no base for actual friendship. Her only friends so far are a child with whom she had little to no interaction for a while now. And Linda, who is very forgiving to all her quirks and failures because she's a therapist and she's already used to Lucifer. So Mace not having the system and the references how to like normal interact with someone was very very logical for me but also it felt like her trying was very genuine and she phrases it very nicely with like i, I don't want to murder you anymore and i like a kid and yeah i like a kid this scene is perfection yes i really really like this interaction and i like chloe's fucking face with the realization the missing half hour so i'm there for it and i really hope that they get to be roomies because it would be so good for chloe to be less stuck up. And it would be so good for Mace to have contact with someone who's not having any issues to tell her how it is. Yeah. I think that if this is going to happen, I mean, there is a still chance that Chloe's dead after this episode. Yeah, no. So... Like, seriously, no. If this happened, even though Chloe might be dead after this episode, whatever, it is a genius move on the writer's team part. Because putting these two characters together under one roof is bound to be creating a lot of opportunities and fun situations. So I knew this situation was going to come up and I couldn't fucking wait. There is nothing else to be said. Penultimate scene coming up. I like the fact that Mace uses her wager for a power play. One Chloe pointed out to her. Yeah, for sure. And then just kind of opens up the relationship again between the two of them. Because... It shows that Mace cares about what Chloe says. She realizes that she was right and acts on it. Fair play. This is an issue that Mace has had since the beginning of time for her. You can see in Lucifer's face that this is not a menial small thing. This is 
a groundbreaking power shift between the two of them now. And I love the fact that he accepts it, that he just goes with it. Like he obviously first tries to kind of get her off the scent and like get her to do the work. I don't think he was aware what she really meant. It's just, it just felt like once he gets what's happening, he respects her more for it. But also he respects a deal is a deal. This was a very good moment and I really, really liked the way it turned out. I had an issue right before that moment with Lucifer saying, I can't have the women in my life teaming up. I appreciate that he is calling it as it is, that he is not trying to pretend that there is another reason for him not wanting them to live together. Yeah, but I'm still not there for it, that this is the reason he doesn't want them to live together. Obviously, he's gonna make it about himself, but I agree with you, this is not great. Like, with most things, when Lucy makes it about himself, I do not have much of an issue with. With this, I do. I accept that. Then we have... We got the two newly defined relationship toast between Mace and Lucy, which I think is an amazing quote. But if I'm not mistaken, my... Does Ames show up? Yes, he does. Right? We we have the final confrontation here with uh, Amenadiel pointing out that if Lucy reneges on a deal with Dead, Dead might take it out on Chloe's life slash soul. And I feel like Lucifer is still trying to deflect and distract. We see he's worried, but he goes with the uh, just one tiny soul or something. He doesn't acknowledge that he feels Amenadiel might be right. I don't see it that way. I feel like he didn't realize that that could be an issue. Maybe he did realize that, but he just doesn't want to think about it because that's what he's been doing the whole time. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Usually when we have our obsession of the week, the obsession gets more or less cleared up by the end of the episode. And this time we seem to be sticking with it. Because we don't see the reaction to the last scene. The position he's in, I feel like he will chance it until he's proven differently. Which is, sorry absolutely idiotic yes it is absolutely i agree with that one thing about this scene was the wording of lucifer saying i said that i punish mum, and that's what i'm doing i don't think we know the actual wording of the deal there was no wording lucifer like when he is bleeding out he basically says hey dad if you spare her life i will go back to hell and i will do the job that you want me to do and then he is back in hell he sees that mom's cell is open and then he comes back and when he talks later on with Amenadiel, Amenadiel asks him if dad spoke to him and he says no but he made very clear what he wanted so there is no explicit exact wording what has to be done I think that is the thing that gives him the loophole and that gives him the kind of wriggling space in his eyes. I'm not saying that it is actual thing, but this is what he feels like, oh, it's fine because, you know, he surely meant that I need to punish her again and not that I need to necessarily bring her back to hell to do so. So that's my loophole. Because he can actually argue, like Mace said, in hell mom wasn't really tortured so it's actually more effective to torture her on earth so there's that yes i'm curious about what's gonna happen on that front because in theory since we didn't have actual wording of the agreement and of the deal he can actually be in the right 
I was very surprised that we didn't get his head out of his ass by the end of this episode, especially with the cliffhanger coming up. I mean, yeah, side note, yay, they got the apartment. And then, bam, car accident. And I like that the threat that Amanadiel made clear to Lucy just a mere seconds before is immediately put into reality. Cinema, bitch! I would not have been a fan of like having an episode with Lucy being overprotective about Chloe or something without having any proof. But as I said before, since everyone knows we're getting six seasons of Lucifer, yeah, there's no way in hell Chloe dies. Well, the show is not called Decker Star. It's still the most favorite ship and everything. So let's not fool ourselves. There's no way the main romantic interest, when there hasn't been like a proper triangle established, is gonna just die in the beginning of the second season. But there's of course now gonna be repercussions and everything. So I'm quite curious about that. I'm just gonna transition into my final thoughts here. I really liked the bonding between the females that we had in this episode and I really want to see more interaction between those four and I also really want more backstory on Ella with the tiny hint of the car stealing because girl now I'm fucking curious. Also I'm quite happy that I already have to watch the next episode tomorrow because damn cliffhanger. I adore this episode. It was so much fun. We get drama, we get friendships, we get done we get so many jokes we get linda out of her office have we ever get linda outside of her office not doing shrink work i really liked that they put the whole mum plot on the back burner for this episode because we needed to focus a little bit more on uh, the effects of the whole situation on everybody individually and together and the fact that Amanadiel is being such a fucking dick. We couldn't have a lot of these things if we still had Charlotte in the mix. So I'm really glad that that was all cut out. My last thing to say is Ames, own up to your own fucking bullshit. Yeah, I think that's gonna be a while. I feel like he still hasn't hit rock bottom and he needs, like he, he strikes me as a character who needs to hit proper rock bottom to even start considering dealing and not blaming. It makes sense narratively, but it was a bit of a stain on this episode that was so fun and positive and filled with loads of really good scenes. Yeah, but at least we got the erectile dysfunction, so... True. Very true. <laughs> and his face is unforgettably good. See? As long as he's not dealing and we get to make fun of him... You're correct. But yeah, <laughs> amazing episode. It's honestly one of my favorites, for sure. Top five. Nice, okay. But with that, I'm gonna say thank you all for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so via various social media or you can simply send us an email to lucifer at tat-podcast.com. Our episodes, of course, can be found on Spotify and iTunes. And for those who want to get involved in any other ways, we do have a Patreon you can sign for if you want to get access to our notes or a lot of the extra audio that we produce every week because we just don't seem to push it up. You can just go to patreon.com slash podcast and become our supporter. Like those other wonderful people who already do support us and who we are eternally grateful to. For sure. With that, wishing you a happy day. Bye! Bye! Bye.